0: Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name is Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher and yoga business coach. I am so glad you're here. Enjoy 45 minutes of training for you and your yoga business. Hey everyone, it's Amy McDonald here. Welcome to Abundant Yoga Teachers, the podcast. Uh, (laughs) It's great to see a bunch of you here live. Say hi, folks. Everyone who's joining me here live, type something into the Q&A box so I can... Say hello back. I'm a bit croaky this morning, so apologise for that. Um, let's see, uh, Rachel's here. Rachel's here. Yay! Who else is here? Type type me a hello into the Q and A. Today we're talking about three ways to keep your classes interesting, and I um, I feel called to share on this topic because so often people reach out and ask me, you know. I'm worried that my students are going to get bored. I'm worried that uh, I'm teaching the same old stuff, that maybe people aren't coming anymore because, uh, you know, I'm not being interesting enough. And I, funnily enough, if you're a regular listener, this comes as no surprise, I have quite a strong opinion on this topic. Um, So I've got three things I'm going to uh, share with you that I think are easy ways to keep your classes more interesting, and also just really to, um, to to remind us all about why we teach and why people come to yoga in the first place. So that's my intention for today. Hello. People are typing into the Q&A, but I can't see your names. I want to say hello back. Uh, before we jump into that, a couple of things. One, so I teach on Wednesday nights, which for me was last night, and uh, I wanted to let you know this. So I've been teaching for nearly 10 years now and I've got quite a you know, good following in my town. I have amazing teachers and have done a bunch of trainings. Last night in my class, I had four people attend. I'm just going to declare it. Four people came to my class last night. So for anybody else, I know some of the people in GYYB were feeling bummed out and um, a bit you know, like they weren't being super successful because they were having small numbers. Last night, I had four people in my class. Uh, it happens to all of us. Here's the cool thing, though, from a business perspective. I had four people show up. I had 14 people pay. So if you are running classes, for people who run classes like me, fairly uh, freelance, rent space, pay by the hour, um, If you are running your business on a casual basis, like people just pay when they show up, having four people show up, if I had four people show up, I would have walked home with, after I paid my room hire, 70 bucks in my pocket. That would suck. That would suck, right? And if you think about it, I taught for 90 minutes. It takes me 15 minutes either end to get there and set up. So there's two hours. I spent probably 20 minutes planning the class and 40 minutes practicing it. There's another hour. So, you know, I would have spent a good three hours to make $70. That would suck. That is not a living wage. Uh, that doesn't work. If you are a freelancer and you teach classes like I do, rent space and pay as you go, um, it's really, really beneficial for your business if you have a block booking system. So that means... When people book into my class, they don't pay as they go. They buy this time. There were seven classes that I was teaching back consecutively, fit in with my travel schedule. People signed up for a whole, the whole seven. Now, two people were moving. One person's hurt her neck. One person had to stay back at work. One person's partner's sick, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These are all the reasons why they didn't show up, but they paid up. Okay, and they made the choice that they would prefer to do something else in their life, or they needed to do. Something else in their life, and they weren't able to come along to yoga on a Wednesday night. But I wasn't getting paid $22.50 or whatever, $23.50 an hour, which sucks a big one given how much we've invested in our vocation. So, again, folks, I know a bunch of people in GYYB are transitioning to these. Hello, Sarah Power, love you. Um, If you have a block booking system, it's going to be better for your finances in your yoga business rather than just enabling people to pay casually as they turn up. The other thing that happened during um my class last night it just didn't happen in my class touch everything lucky and wood and going and all the rest of it but someone who one of my students who did come she was sharing with me that i live in a small town so there's a little bit of look it's gossip let's call it information sharing but something that happened hey claire hey susan something that happened at the studio where i rent space someone had a stroke uh, someone had a stroke during a class, not a yoga class, a different type of class, but in that space. And um, this is the story that I heard and I'm not sharing this to gossip, but I think it's an important reminder for all of us. It was absolutely a wake-up call from me and my student who was also a teacher. Someone had a stroke during a class and rather than call an ambulance, the women there was two women who were teaching that class, they got on that woman who was having the stroke, they got on her phone and they called two of her friends to try and find out what might be going on with her and how they could help her. Now, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I sure as hell hope I would have just freaking called an ambulance. But I'm not, I'm not saying this to judge those women. What I am saying this for is it was just a reminder to me about the importance that we are professionals and that we get to be really well trained in things like first aid and that we get to be really well protected in things like insurance. So, you know, I, I teach one class a week, I blow in, I know who's going to be there, we, I teach them some fun poses, we have a good time and I leave. And that doesn't mean that it's okay for me to be cavalier about things like professional certifications like first aid and professional protection mechanisms like professional indemnity insurance. So folks, a little reminder, this really got to my student and I, we were talking about it after class for a while. I mean, what would you do? Would you be prepared? If something, and let's pray that it never happens, but if something horrible happened in your class, if if one of your students was in serious duress, would you know what to do? Are you up to date with your first aid training? Would you know enough to recognize that it is not appropriate to call someone's friend to see if maybe what's going on with her, but that you just call an aunt? Do you know what a stroke symptoms are? Do you you have, you know, is your CPR training up to date? Are you protected with your own insurance? If someone injures themselves in your class because of how they interpreted your instructions, What would be the fallout of that if something went wrong? I don't want to put a downer on everybody on a Wednesday night, Thursday morning, but this one hit me last night and it made me remember, yes, okay, I do have insurance, I am legally protected, and I am up to date with with my first aid training. I would be able to, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not medically trained, but I do have, you know, basic first-aid training that is, that is recognized in my country by a reputable training authority such that if someone was having stroke symptoms, I would know to freaking call an ambulance and what to do to keep them as safe as I could until the professionals arrived. So a reminder, folks, that came up for me last night, and I think it's, you know, it's useful to just check in. Where are you at with that stuff? Um, teaching, you know, Yoga teaching is an unregulated industry. And that doesn't mean that we get to be sloppy in how we show up professionally. It means we actually get to be great. And you get to be uh, uh, um, a, a, a professional who can handle him or herself if something goes bad and can protect, to the degree that you're that's appropriate, your students if something goes bad. So a little reminder there for everybody just to check in. You know, are you up to date? Do you need to take a refresher course? Do you need to pull out your first aid training manual? Do you need to look again about what are my um, immediate response kind of steps? Should something go wrong? Last night I taught a handstand variation class. I had a mukhavikshasana class. And one of my students at one point fell out of handstand. He was just fatigued. And we'd done a few rounds of different things and he just fell out. And in that moment, you know, it was my job to think, well, is he okay? What's happened? Do we need to do anything here falling out of a handstand? It's not like he just came down scissor kick reverse. He collapsed out of a handstand. Is there any neck stuff? Is there any wrist stuff? Like, are you up to date with your first aid? Do you need to do any catch-ups? Not that you are responsible for your students' physical well-being. Obviously, we know to talk them through things well. We know how to convey that it is their responsibility to treat themselves well, but it is still our job to protect people. And it is still, I believe, being a good yogi to have mindfulness about your duty of care. So that's all. That's uh, Amy getting a little bit mumsy with everybody um, today because that one shook me up. I've got to say, that one shook me up a little bit. And uh, I don't want any of you to ever be in that place where you're thinking, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. This is probably nothing. I'm going to treat it lightly when actually it could be potentially serious. Um, there you have it. Uh, get yourself up to date and insured, up to date with your finances and insured with your uh, business. You deserve it. Yoga deserves it. Your students deserve it. Okay, so back to the topic at hand. Let's see. Before I do that, let me jump in and say, who else has said hello to me this morning? What a tribe of you. It's so cool. Okay, type me a hello into the QA box. I'm loving seeing some new faces and some well, names. <laughs> I can't see your face, don't worry if you're if you're um in bed, tucked in bed already, if you're in the UK or if you're still in bed if you're in Australia. <laughs> I promise I cannot access your computer video. <laughs> but I can see your name, so type me a hello. All right, so let's jump into the topic. Three things to keep your classes more interesting. One actually no, preamble. No one, no one, no one thinks about your class as much as you do. No one takes it as seriously as you do. No one is thinking, how can I make this more different from what I taught last week as much as you do? So first, recognize, for most of us, it's different if you have a cult following and people come to every class that you ever teach you know, nine times a week. But for most of us, For most of our students, they're not thinking about yoga in between yoga. Maybe they have a bit of a home practice. Maybe they got themselves a Yoga Glow subscription. But for most of them, for for my people, yoga is something that they do on a Wednesday night because they know it's good for them and they have a bit of fun and then they go do something else. They go for a beer on a Thursday night. They go to trivia on on a Friday night. And on the weekend, they mow their lawn and play with their kids, right? So understand that the level of emphasis that you put on keeping your classes interesting is probably unique to you. Okay. And that um and so that's number one. Number two, remember people are coming to you to learn yoga asana. Maybe some pranayama, maybe some meditation, maybe a little dusting of philosophy. But they're not coming to you for uh like wild entertainment. They're not coming to you for circus Soleil. They're not coming to you to to have their minds blown and to have Shaktipat in 75 minutes of yoga. So take the pressure off yourself if you are expecting yourself to be wildly entertaining and offering up a spectacle, an extravaganza of yoga asana sequencing every week. No one else expects that of you. No one. Not even your teacher trainer. Think about it. They're, I don't know. I don't care who you did your teacher training with, but I'm fairly confident that your teacher would much prefer you to teach a solid, reliable, intelligent class than anything that is whiz bang fancy pants. That's a technical. That's a technical term. Whiz bang fancy pants. Right. So let's just remember that no one is focusing on this as much as you and no one has expectations that are as high as you may have for yourself if you are interested in this topic. Now with that preamble, let me jump into my three tips. When people tell me that they're worried that their classes are getting boring or they're, um, they want to know how to make their classes more interesting. One of the things that I like to recommend is that you go deeper versus wider. I love this principle pretty much in everything, like my business, what I watch on Netflix, how I garden, who I date, right? Like, go deep versus wide. Go specific versus the the yoga asana buffet. You don't need to get through light on yoga in an hour to make your classes interesting. Get more specific, nerd out more, go into detail more. Last night I taught an Adho Mukha a class. My classes these days are only 90 minutes, which is a bummer. They used to be two hours, but hey, you know, things change. I don't have as much time to play with people as I used to. But in 90 minutes I taught, this, so this class is about handstand, and we did, um, during the course of that class, we did one, two, three, four, different handstand variations in 90 minutes because I'm going for a handstand class. So rather than just teach it once, okay, kick up to Adho Mukha Vakshasana, we did four different variations. We went deep into the pose. We did um, just a basic practice, five minutes of playing, of practicing kicking up at the wall. My people are wall-based handstanders. Um, then we did like, my teacher calls this restorative Adho Mukha Vikshasana, where you put the bolster against the wall, and then you kick it up to handstand and you press your head into the wall, so that into the bolster rather, so that you can play with floating your legs away and engaging the core more, get out of that you know, banana that happens with with intermediate and beginner handstanders. Then we did um, like a scorpion kind of variation where they bent their knees and put their toes on the wall. And then we did a deeper variation where they bent their knees and put their shins on the wall. So that took me 90 minutes to get people prepared to get to that point. So we did a whole bunch of stuff like we did a whole bunch of Shalabhasana stuff to wake up the back, remind them that there is musculature back there. We did a whole bunch of hip flexor opening stuff, you know, um, Bekasana, lying down, Ekapada Bekasana, like one foot frog do we part of a two foot frog then we did that standing up like you know kick your butt then hold your foot uh we did a whole bunch of ustrasana things we did ustrasana in the middle of the room we did ustrasana with the block between the thighs we did ustrasana at the wall you know press the pelvis into the wall and ustrasana camel pose we did that a bunch of times uh, what else did we do we did a whole lot of Urdhva hastasana stuff like just standing up with your arms overhead, and then lifting the sternum without disengaging the abs, um, you know, toning the pelvic floor, lower belly, false ribs, and lift your arms and lift your sternum, look up. So we did a whole bunch of stuff just to get people to the point of being able to take these four rounds of handstand, which I threaded throughout the 90 minutes. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a sequencing expert by any means, and I am very fortunate to have amazing teachers. The point I'm trying to make is I didn't have to teach them. Like we did three Saray Namaskar A. That is it. No more. And we did Adho Mukha, um We did like down dogs, maybe four down dogs. But that's all the standing poses I taught because I was teaching a handstand class. I didn't need to go, didn't need to punch in a whole lot of vinyasa, a whole lot of fancy transitions. A whole, there was no arm balancing. Um, we did. We didn't do any twists other than like gentle kind of windscreen wipers at the end to release the work that we've done in the hip flexors, there was nothing else in there other than what did my people need to do to prime their bodies to get them into these four rounds of handstand. So my point here is you don't need to be fancy with your sequencing. This is a point specifically about sequencing. You need to be thorough, and people really value repetition that doesn't mean that you need to do the same thing every time but that you can repeat something and vary it as you go so we we started with some like warm-up stuff uh, uh downward-facing dog um, and then we chant the invocation do some pranayama we do that every week every week my people know that we're going to take anjali mudra Chant Om, takes Sankalpa Mudra, set our intention, takes a few rounds of Nadi Shodana Pranayama. I do that every week. People don't find that boring. They find it reassuring because it's the same. I'm not trying to be interesting in in the sense of variety. I'm trying to be interesting in the sense of depth and familiarity. Then we did three rounds of Serena Namaskar A. And then we took a first up five minute handstand, go practice, remember how to kick up, remember how to get to the wall, remember how to what to set how to set your hands, how to engage your abs, all of that sort of stuff. Then we came back to the mat. Now let's do Shalabhasana. Now let's wake up the muscles of the back. And then we did a whole bunch of like uh like lying down, bekhassana, warm up the hip flexors. And we continue to build. Now stand up. Now let's do bhakasana. standing up. What does that feel like? Now let's do urdhva hastasana. Now let's do bhikasana again. Now let's do urdhva hastasana. Now let's do bhakasana again. And each time they get more deeply into the pose, each time they get greater familiarity with the muscle groups that we're working on, with their misalignment tendencies and how to correct that, such that as the class progresses over the 90 minutes, by the time we're at the final okay, let's take handstand and experiment getting your shins to the wall, they can actually, they'd understand how to, how to search for greater mobility in the thoracic spine. They have greater access to opening the hip flexors so that they, that they can actually get that sort of curve in the front body. And then after that, they're knackered. They're not looking for more fancy after four rounds of handstand. They're looking for some shavasana, please. So let's lie down. That's interesting at that point, lying down and doing some wrist circling sort of stuff. That's interesting when you've just done in total, you know, 10, 12, 13 minutes of handstanding over an hour period. And then we just worked it out. Okay. So we've done a whole lot of inversions. Let's do some forward folds. And we've done a whole lot of uh, symmetrical inversions and symmetrical hip openers. Let's do some asymmetrical stuff. Let's Let's, twist slightly, not from the sense of spinal rotation. I wasn't looking for that, but I was looking for them to work out the the work that they had done in the counter pose, out the work that they'd done in the hip flexors. We did, you know, Paschimottanasana. We did, um, what else? Hmm. Can I remember? We did like Nāsana at the end, easy rest pose, windscreen wipers, nothing fancy. They'd done some fancy work. They were looking for relief. And the wind down to come to Shavasana, I like to teach a 10-minute Shavasana. I know for a lot of folks that's not sexy anymore to lie down for that long. But <laughs> I'm old school. I grew up with shivananda, man. 10 minutes is Shavasana light. Anyway, all of this to say that if you, particularly people I find that teach Vinyasa, you are Yangis, you get this. You're like, I can teach five poses in two hours and nail it. Awesome. And same if you have a set sequence. You know, Shivanandi's Myself, folks, you know, this is not necessarily a great teaching point for you, but for people who teach vinyasa flow or teach like I do alignment based hatha yoga, stop trying to wow your people with crazy sequencing. There is a time for awesome crazy sequencing. I vividly remember being with Les Leventhal at the yoga barn in Ubud, in Bali, just like having my mind blown because of the way that that man can cue a sequence. Like he will take you on a 30 minute journey on the left side and then roll you back through it on the right side in the second 30 minutes. Amazing, I can't do that, it's not my area of genius. He can, he remembers it all, I've got a notebook, that's how I roll, you know, I'm old school like I said. There is a time for that, absolutely. There is a time for, holy crap, I'm in bird of paradise. I never saw that coming. I mean, we all love those classes. But your students don't need that every week to keep coming back. Go deeper, whether you want to go deeper with, like, anatomy. You know, what is if if you teach a peak pose kind of situation, if you're going for something, you know, maybe you're going for Urdhva Dhanurasana, right? What do you call that in English, folks? Help a sister out. Full wheel? I don't know what you call that. But the big Mac Daddy backbend. If you're going for Urdhva what do you need to get there? What do your people need? They need a whole bunch of shoulder stuff. They need a whole bunch of hip flexor stuff. They probably need a little bit of baby back bends to get there, Bujangasana, Urdhva Mukha Svanasana, um, you know, up dog, cobra pose. Maybe they need a strasana camel pose, whatever you like to teach to get them there. But there is a whole different bunch of ways that you can teach the same pose. Maybe they do Urvadanyarasana with blocks at the wall to get them out of so much wrist work. Maybe they do Urvadhanurasana with, you know, I love this sort of Ayenga tradition thing of Urvadhanurasana with two friends that have straps to help them lift up. Maybe they do Urvadhanurasana with one friend who holds the ankles to give them some feedback. Then maybe they do Urvadhanurasana in the middle of the room. Then maybe for your advanced people, they do like Ekapada Urvadhanurasana to just play and have some fun. I'd love to teach that. There's only ever in my classes one or two people who can get a foot off the floor in Evadani but everybody else feels inspired and the people who can do it get a kick out of doing something a little bit different. So point number one, stop trying to smash in heaps of variety in your sequencing and look at how can I go deeper versus wider in the in the. Yoga asana that I'm offering. How can I take something to the next level? Or how can I continue to repeat something? Please, folks, don't be afraid of repeating something. I remember doing my 300-hour TT with my teacher Noah. And in one of the homework assignments, he actually got us to, um, I think it was like uh, bakasana, what do you call that? Crane, crow pose. He had us write a 60-minute class, and he made us put that pose in like five times. How can you teach that in 60 minutes five different ways so that people can experience it in different ways? You can emphasize a point differently. I mean, think about all the things you need to teach someone in bakasana. You try and teach them all at once. That's a lot of information, but teach them once. Let them get their bum up in the air and try and put their patella on their, you know, (laughs) humerus and all that sort of stuff. Then teach it again. Okay, now we're focusing on core strength. Then teach it again. Okay, now we're focusing on drishti. Then teach it again. Okay, now we're focusing on... Um, hamstrings and actually gluing your heels to your butt. You know, there, so my point here is go deeper, give people the opportunity to explore things more fully. If you want your people to come back, if retention is something that you're working on, um, giving people like the onslaught, like the confetti of yoga asana. Is difficult for them. They, they can't, It's too fast and they can't grab a hold of something and, and build up the desire to get better at it, to reveal it in deeper ways. Last night, <clears throat> I know for a fact that some of my students that were there last night, they will be practicing handstand today because they're like, huh, I could really see how I got better at that over an hour and a half. I'm going to play with that a little bit because I think there is more in that pose for me and I want to experience it more. Or I was tapped and I fell out of that last handstand because I'd had a big day and I hadn't eaten before yoga and I just couldn't make the fourth round. But today I'm going to get on my mat at home. I'm going to play with that and I'm going to see what happens. Give your students the opportunity to go deeper. You don't need to wow them with fancy. Give them depth over breadth, deeper versus wider in your sequencing. I promise you, your people aren't as bored as you may be fearful of them being, sip of coffee, pause. If this is resonating for you folks, type me something in the Q&A box. Does this make sense? How do you feel about actually taking stuff out? Like look at a class that you've planned, take a third of it out and fill the time with doing the two-thirds that remain more deeply. You know, if you teach Ustrasana, don't just teach it once, teach it three times with different props. Teach it three times with different focal points. Like maybe the first time you teach a strassener, it's about camel pose. It's just about not letting the feet sickle out. It's about actually placement of the feet and protection of the knees. And then maybe the next time you teach it, it's about putting a block between the thighs or or having people leave their hands on their abdomen so they can actually test, am I – Am I disempowering my front body here? Are my ribs popping forward here at the expense of, like, my my abdominal musculature? And then maybe the next time, I, you know, one of the things I used to – I can't remember who I learned this from. I don't know if it was my teacher or Ross Rayburn. Talked about getting into Ustrasana with, like, Lakshmi arms. Imagining, imagining that you've got a bunch of arms and the first set of arms you put on your sacrum you stick your thumbs into your sacrum and you lift up from there. And then you, you know, you imagine that your thumbs are still there and you hike your hands up with your second set of Lakshmi arms to the thoracic and you do the same there. Press in, lift up, kinesthetic feedback. How can I lift from this part of my torso? And then you get the thumbs up in under the scapula and you do the same. Like how can you maybe you teach, again, with kinesthetic feedback, Ustrasana from that point. Maybe you teach a Strasana in partners where someone, you know, holds the pelvis of the other person or, or holds in under the scapula of the other person to give them that kinesthetic feedback to go deeper. Maybe you uh, teach Ustrassner at the wall. Maybe you teach it with a partner in a strap. I don't know, but teach, if you're going to teach one post C, can I play in this class with teaching it three or four times in different ways to go deeper versus wider in my sequencing? Okay, Amy, you've labored that point more than enough (laughs) how else can I keep my classes interesting go for themes if you're a regular listener you know that I spent a fair bit of time as an adult in the Anusara method where one of the fundamental things in teaching was um, theming now I'm not saying that you need to go for the theme like you, you know in Anusara back in the day I don't know Sarah what it's like now I don't get to Anusara classes often here anymore but you know you, you everybody sits down together they all come in close you chant the invocation you do a little bit of philosophy and you tell a story and you set a theme for the day. It doesn't have to be as intentional as that. But having a theme over a block of classes will keep everybody interested. It's like, you know, it's like when you're watching Netflix and you just can press the next episode button. People want to come back. They're so interested in what you talked about that time that they can't wait to see what happens next time. And themes can be the most important thing about choosing a theme is that you're into it. Okay? If you could give an F about chakras, don't teach seven weeks of chakras. Today we're talking about Muladhara Chakra, yawn. Like if that's not your thing, don't teach it. You know, if your thing is today I'm teaching you know, over the next four weeks we're exploring the four different quadricep muscles. If that lights you up, teach that. But give people A reason to keep watching. Oh, my God, I'm going to share this with you. I can't believe I'm going to actually say this out loud. I have this thing in my life, just full disclosure, mute the podcast if you're not interested in Amy's personal life or the times when she tends to overshare. This is about to happen. There are times in my life, particularly when things are like, oh, that sucked or I think, you know, that didn't go so well for me or I think I'm, you know, you know those times when something shitty happens? It kind of often looks like getting dumped. I'm just going to say it. And my solution for a short period triage moment is, here we go, this is the disclosure moment. I'm going to watch all the Jason Bourne movies from the beginning to the end. I can never remember what order they go in, but it's kind of interesting to watch Matt Damon over like a 12-year period. Anyway, that happens. (laughs) I said it out loud, yes, Amy watches the Jason Bourne movies in some kind of binging situation, which may or may not involve Non dairy coconut based ice cream out of a tub. I'm just saying, you've been there, don't judge, you know it, you've got your version of this. Anyway, oh, yay, I'm not the only person who watches Jason Bourne in a bingy way, too. you, You know, there's years in between. I'm not saying I do this every weekend, but there are times in my life, I don't know what your thing is, but you have it. Anyway, my point is, you watch one of those suckers, you want to watch the next one. Now, they hang together. It's quite a good analogy, as it turns out. Uh, they hang together. You can just watch one. You feel satisfied. That was good. I've watched the Bourne Ultimatum. I'm feeling good. Okay, I want to go to Italy and drive a Mini Cooper downstairs now. That. And also, I'm kind of interested to see what Jason does next time. Right. So that's what theming across a range of classes does for your students. <laughs> kind of. I hope you're following my metaphor. God. Six thirty on a Thursday. <laughs> the sun has not come up yet folks if you're wondering if Amy's gone a little bit <laughs> even past Amy like boundary today that's why. Um but but you know it does help people come back so what would a theme be for you? And here's the thing, you don't even need to make it open to your students. If it interests you then awesome. Good, is that, you know, it's going to help your classes hang together. You don't need, need to explicitly state to your students, this is the theme for the next seven weeks. You might. One of my former clients, they have a theme every week. They write it on the blackboard in the reception of their studio. All the teachers teach on that theme across the 30 classes they have on the schedule. You know, you can go that way. You can just keep it to yourself. But a theme will help your classes stay interesting because it gives you a touch point, and it helps hang the classes together, which is awesome for retention. Maybe you want to teach mythology. Maybe you want to teach um, yoga anatomy. You know, you want to go into the nadis or the chakras or um, the koshas. I mean, ha- how lucky are we in yoga? There are so many systems you could teach on the the the, the gunas, the um, um, the tatwas. Right? There's a squillion things you could teach on in that way. Maybe you're a Patanjali person and you want to teach on the Yoga Sutras. Maybe you want to teach out of the Shiva Sutras or the Hatha Yoga Pradipika or the Vinyasa or the Radiant Sutras or whatever, right? Um, maybe you want to go that route. Maybe you're more of an anatomy geek. Maybe you want to do, okay, week one is the shoulder girdle, week two is the pelvic girdle, week three is etc, etc. Maybe you want to look at um, you know, anatomy on a different level. Now we're talking about today, we're talking about the skeletal system, then we're talking about the muscular system, then we're talking about the endocrine system, then we're talking about fascia and connective tissue. You know, what, what, what would light you up? Um, maybe, you know, if you teach from a different tradition, um, you know, if you teach Christian yoga, maybe there are you know, scriptural teachings that really make sense and hang together for you that you'd love to teach over a sequence of classes. Um, Maybe there is something going on in your community that, that makes sense. Maybe you're a color therapist or an aromatherapist or uh, you teach, you know, you're a TCM person. and You want to teach about meridians. What would make sense from a theme perspective that you could hang a bunch of classes together? And that's really going to help keep your classes interesting as well. And it will also keep you interested. So it's not like every week you have to sit down and plan a, plan a whole bunch of independent classes, but that you can be thinking ahead. Okay, I'm teaching a class right now on the main characters of the Mahabharata. What is the class today? Who is the character I'm teaching about? What are his qualities and how can I build them into a class? If today's class is the Bhima class, right? If I'm teaching a class all about the character of Bhima, what does that look like? That looks like strength. That looks like, you know, um, certainty. That looks like... Uh, There's some pretty big, tough yoga asana. I'm probably going to get a whole lot of warriors out for that class. I might even make jokes about holding clubs or, you know, know, uh, protecting my wife and making an oath and et cetera, et cetera. Like themes can be so much fun and they're going to help you stay inspired. I totally recommend. And And like I said, they're great for retention. I've got one more point, folks. Anyone have any feedback or any questions on anything I've, Shared so far, other than I'm not the only one who likes to binge watch Jason Bourne. <laughs> it's not Damon. It's Europe. There's Mini Coopers. You know, come on. There's good stuff in there. You know, actually, on that, there's no real plot, actually. It's like Treadstone is evil and Jason Bourne is the good guy. There's nothing else other than just driving cars around Europe, really. But anyway, that's enough of that. Who knew you get Jason Bourne reviews when maybe I need to sit down and watch them all again and eat ice cream, I'm just saying. All right, uh, no questions. I'm going to plow on with my third and final point. I wonder if you can all still hear oh, yeah. Uh My third and final point. You want your classes to be interesting, you have to be interested. How do you do that? Go to more classes. I know I make this point all the time, but folks, go to classes, support each other support the yoga industry go be a student as much as you can go to all the classes go to the shit ones go to the brand new teacher ones go to the ones where if you were honest with yourself you would probably say something like her classes are a bit crappy or i don't like how or, she thinks she's so fabulous cuz she looks like that or i don't her she should never teach a shoulder stand without three blankets or go to all of them like break down the barriers about Me versus her or him, like open up your heart, rip it open, Hanuman style. Go to classes, whatever you can get yourself to, go do it. I go to my students' classes. I go to you know like Ding Dong whoa that was wacky dacky classes. I'm not a wacky dacky yoga teacher, in case you hadn't guessed. I'm you know I teach alignment based hatha yoga, and I carry around my copy of Light on Yoga with me, for kicks. I'm fairly you know boring with my I like good alignment, I like to keep the body safe. Sometimes it's important for me to just go to some wacky dacky shit where I'm thinking, Whoa man, your cervical spine is on the floor. Okay. I'm gonna protect me. You do you. You <laughs> know? It's good for me. It keeps me interesting. Because I'm being exposed to different stuff all the time. Yes, I seek out awesome teachers. I am so blessed to have studied with some of the world's best teachers. I can't tell you the thrill I had Sitting in Pune listening to Gita Iyengar teach yoga. Amazing. But I'm also going to Bev's Pilates restorative wacky dacky kind of what's that? I've got a pink ghetto blaster playing panpipes music class during the day, during the week, because Bev wants my 20 bucks and I want to get exposed to some interesting stuff. Go to more classes. And on that point, if you do not have a subscription to some kind of high end yoga class, streaming service you need to get one. I do not have an affiliation with any of these services but I can tell you whether it's Guy MTV or Yoga International or Eckhart Yoga or Yoga Glow or whichever one, Wonderlust, whichever one you want to pick, get one. You need to have one. It is a business expense. Claim it as a business expense for your business. Get yourself a monthly yoga subscription. Why? because it is important for you to sit and watch classes. Yes, do them, but sometimes sit and watch, take notes, look at how the teacher teaches something, watch their bodies, be an observer. How powerful is it when you get to sit and watch a class? How often does that happen? Again, back to my 300-hour teach training days, there was a, I think I had food poisoning or something, you know, hashtag Jakarta. And, um, and, I, and I sat and watched my teacher teach a class, and it was incredible. I got to watch everyone else. I got to watch how he adjusted. I got to watch how he re-explained something when you could tell that the room didn't get it. It was so useful. So folks, you need to have one of those subscriptions so that you are watching classes, being an observer, taking notes. Uh, really, I mean, what does it cost you? 20 bucks a month? Don't be cheap with yourself. Get it. Even if you never actually do the practice, watching it is incredibly powerful, particularly if you're on one of those sites that also has professional development opportunities. I could sit and watch Douglas Brooks talk about yoga all day long and twice on Sundays, like for real. Or Sally Kempton or her, Chris Chappell or whoever your, your people are. They also give you that access to that wisdom and information as well, particularly if you live in like BFE like I do. And, and your options may be limited to kind of Bev yoga, getting in front of those people because of the power of the internet. It's really important. Get yourself a subscription. Go watch Jason or Elena or Kino or Tiffany or whoever your person is or people are. Go watch them teach yoga, and that will make your classes more interesting. I promise you. So they're my three points for keeping your classes interesting. Remember, go deeper versus wider with your sequencing. Stop trying to be fancy and let people have a deeper experience of the yoga poses. Teach repeatedly. Repeat yoga asana. Let people re-experience the same pose in the same class. Two, have a theme to hang your classes together week to week. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to have a PowerPoint presentation. It can be theme light. But if people can understand that they are building on something as you go, that's awesome. And then number three, get yourself in front of more people. Watch classes. You need an online subscription. Pick one that you love. Just get one. Someone's writing me lovely notes in the Q&A box, but I don't know who it is. They just wrote, thank you, Amy. Inspiring. uh, Kiss. Yay. Don't know who you are, though. So sweet. Oh, here you are. So, folks, they're my points. Any questions on any of those, type them into the Q&A box. Got a little bit more time today. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention, but if anyone has any yoga business, business of yoga questions or would like some coaching, now's your chance to get those answered. You can type them into the Q&A box. So if you're listening on the web call, you can press the raise hand emoji on the menu there uh, to raise your hand and I can unmute you. Um, uh, while you're typing in your questions here's what i wanted to mention earlier in the month i was approached by two of my former clients two fabulous fabulous yoga teachers really you know crushing it in their yoga business being in deep service growing um, in their own practice and how they teach and they both reached out to me and i said hey amy can i book in for a 90 minute intensive with you i just need some you know, we've coached in the past. They've been in different programs of mine, but they just needed a bit of a brush up. They wanted to course correct their business plan. They wanted to check in with next steps. They had a bunch of different opportunities on the horizon. They wanted to get clear on which one was right. They both had a sense that maybe it's time to put up the prices and be more discerning with how they work. And they were keen to, both of them, it was totally out of the bill, random, uh, Reached out to say, could I book in for a 90-minute intensive with you? Normally, I offer three-hour intensives. But they didn't want three hours. They just wanted a half hour. like a quickie. Deep dive, get everything back in order, set the business plan, get clarity on next steps, refine pricing, take a look at the marketing and make sure that everything was good and ready to go. So, I, you know, we booked those in and we had those sessions and they were so fun and so rewarding. And already I can see those women have like pinged it and taken it up a notch based on like where this, I'm talking about two weeks ago these happened. Um, both of them getting great results. So I thought, you know what, I think this is a thing. I think we should offer a bunch of 90-minute intensives because maybe there are other people in my community who could do with the one-to-one time with me that's laser-focused, that's going to get them clear on next steps, map out the business plan for the next four, five, six months, help them discern what's a good move, what's not, take a look at the pricing and haul that up to speed, take a look at what they're doing for their marketing and make sure that where they're investing their time is really paying off um, and, and, and elevate their business in 90 minutes to take them to a deeper level of service and the next level of abundance and prosperity. So here's what I've done. I've put together a whole bunch of 90-minute intensive opportunities, there's 12 of them actually. I'm going to be emailing everybody about them more uh, into next month, but right now, if you are kind of interested in working with me one-to-one, what that might look like, what you can expect to achieve in that period of time, go check it out, folks. like I said, Sarah and Ariel, like, you know, just we had so much fun. It was really rewarding for them. I loved it. So I've made uh, 12 places available in my calendar. If you would like one, you can go take a look. If you're on the Instant teleseminar seminar with me live today, there's a button there. Uh, probably, hopefully, it says something like intensive. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, if you want to go to the website, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, hello, we love you, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe if you're not a subscriber. Please subscribe. Uh, You can go to amymcdonald.com.au forward slash intensive and um, you will see, first up, you'll see a photograph of me looking like I'm stealing all the flowers from the florist where that photo was taken. (laughs) I'm not. We put them back, I promise. But you'll get all the information there about how it works, what you can expect, how much it costs, um, and the the scheduling of those is going to be over... um, the, the remainder of August and then into September. So if you like the idea of working with me one-to-one, check it out, amymacdonaldcomau forward slash intensive. 12 of them available if you would like one. Uh, go take a look at the page, sign yourself up. If you're not sure if you would like one, shoot me an email. Um, if you've got questions ahead of time, want to make sure that it's the right next step for you. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, shoot me an email, amy at amymacdonald.com. I can't see any questions, folks. This brought us right up to the 45-minute mark. So I'm going to finish this up there. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me live. I love that it's not just me talking out into the ether. (laughs) Rachel, Claire, everyone who's on the webcast, uh, if you are about to enter into the remainder of your evening, sleep well, dear ones. And if, like me, you're embarking on Thursday, have a great one. I'm going to. Got <laughs> some really cool things planned in my yoga business today. I'll tell you more about that maybe next week. If you're interested in working with me privately, it looks like a 90 minute intensive. Check it out. Amy McDonald at uh, www.amymcdonald.com.au forward slash intensive. And remember, yoga is interesting, right? Yoga is already interesting. Let yoga be the interesting part. You get to be the conduit for it. No one else is worried about how interesting your classes are. Look at things like Bikram yoga. You can go anywhere in the world and they're still going to tell you Linda, It's exactly the same wherever you go. And people find that reassuring. People like it. Look at how many people do Mysore at God Awful o'clock every day. It's the same. People aren't looking for fancy. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we love to be wowed by a little bit of, oh, my God, how did I get here? But for the most part, we have enough fluctuation and variation in life. Yoga is a place where we want to come rest and digest. We want to let the nervous system take a break. So giving people repetition, teaching them something they already know, we actually find this calming. It's good for us. It's good for our practice. Yoga is interesting in and of itself. You don't need to impress people take them deeper versus wider, hang things together to keep people coming back Jason Bourne style and make sure that you're staying inspired and interested yourself because that will come through in your classes. Have a gorgeous day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. If you're on Apple Podcasts, press the subscribe button, leave me a review. I'll love you forever. I absolutely promise. Take care, folks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that fabulous yogi superstar. Want more from me? Subscribe to this podcast or follow me on Insta at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Talk again soon.